Hey ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mel Herbert here. Um, it's uh, Friday, it's July 20, wait for it. It's 26th. 26th Friday, and I got a couple of things to talk about. So, you know, we had the earnings call yesterday. We talked a little bit about that. They lost money, although not as much money as they lost last quarter. Uh, the stock price tanked because people didn't think they were going to lose as much money as they did. But on the other hand, they sold a lot of cars, and the outlook looks really good. And we talked about the fact that they want to increase production of batteries to the point of making gigawatts, no, terawatts of power, many terawatts of power, which is kind of insane. All this is very interesting, but I've got another article here, which is one of America's oldest power companies is going carbon free. So PSEG, I guess, is over there in the New Jersey's. It's about a $30 billion utility provider, and it is going to go to zero carbon emissions by 2050. It's got a couple of nuclear plants, and it wants to keep those going because they're carbon free. And it's going to put in a whole bunch of wind turbines off the coast. And it's not going to build any more um, power plants that rely on coal or gas or nothing that is carbon-like. And this is just one company of which there are now many companies that are doing the same things, many utility providers doing the same thing. And there's a couple of interesting quotes here that I would like to tell you about. And one of them is the CEO. Now, just get this. This is the CEO of a utility. His name is Ralph Izzo. And he said... This, we believe that climate change is real, that there is a crescendo that's building. We have to get to zero carbon. Hello? Hello? Now, their plans are to get like 80% of the way by 2035 and 100% of the way by 2050, which, you know, used to sound good, but we have to do it faster than that, actually. We have to do it a lot faster than that. In fact, we're told we have to do that in the next 12 years. And then there was a recent report, and I'm sure that you saw it and read it and were depressed like me. There was a recent report that said, well, basically, we have to do it by the end of next year. So that's never going to happen. But the time for waiting is just so completely over. We have to move this fast. There's going to be big problems, and we're going to just have to sort of mitigate. But we can't stop. We have put pedal to the metal here. But I'm so glad that now even utility providers are trying to do the same thing. There's also a report here from the New York Times that Moody's is buying a climate data firm because Moody's here is a big insurance company and they have seen themselves getting killed and potentially killed by a lot of different climate-related events and so they really want to be expert at knowing, well, as things warm up, as things get drier, as things get wetter, where is the risk here? And they're going to be using this data to determine insurance. So again, for the climate deniers, it becomes increasingly difficult to deny, doesn't it, please? Doesn't it? When you have utilities saying, this is a big deal. When you have insurance companies saying, let me tell you what the models are showing here. And that means that, no, you can't have a house right near the water and uh, get insured because sea level rise is going to destroy that. Or there's going to be so many more fires in these parts of the country, these parts of the world, that its insurance rates are going to have to skyrocket. So when you start having like for-profit companies making for-profit decisions based on the fact that the climate is changing, the fact that the climate is changing and is, you know, it's difficult science, it's hard science, but predictable in many ways, and it has been predicted and continues to be predicted in many ways and in many places, it gets increasingly hard to like, say this is all fake news, right? That uh, there's nothing to see here, right? Right? And can I say, I am super excited, super duper excited about Tesla's battery event. 
that is scheduled now for you know early next year. So this is an event where they're going to talk about the chemistry, they're going to talk about production ramp, they're going to talk about how they're going to get up to this terawatts, multiple terawatts hopefully, of production. And we're talking like this is 35 times the current world's production of batteries. And this is what Elon says they need to get to to really put a dent in uh, the climate issues. I'm super excited about that because I really think that they are going to reveal Maxwell have been you know, part of Tesla for quite a while. Um, they're going to reveal significant new chemistries, and I think they're going to reveal that they're going to build their own batteries. And I think, my guess is that if Maxwell's sort of timeline was right, they're going to be releasing some new chemistries which might allow them to have zero cobalt and nearly twice the energy density. And hopefully if they're building them in-house and they're building them at this scale where they're going to ramp to terawatts over gigawatts, that the price is going to come way down. So the idea of you know big battery storage becomes you know something that's more realistic. Right now it's just not realistic for cities to try and you know save up all of the uh, solar energy and put it in a giant battery. But distributed, if everybody is buying their own batteries and commercial places are buying their own batteries because the prices come down because it starts to make sense, then you can start to get your head around where batteries could be a significant part of the mix, at least, of energy storage. It still seems a little hard to believe that there'll be enough batteries in any reasonable amount of time for it to be the only way to do it. Pumped hydro, uh, other things sort of seem to be have to be in the mix. And frankly, I'm sort of, as I watch YouTube scientists look at, you know, the difference between how much sunlight is in the summer and sunlight in the winter for so many places, it just seems that nuclear just has to stay in the mix for a long time. Although there are other scientists out there saying, well, if you had a truly smart grid, which was really distributed across very large areas, then you can sort of get around that by, you know, the wind's blowing over there. And so it's powering the grid and the sun's shining over there and it's powering it and then it'll swap. And But you have to have a really integrated and a very large system in order to truly use 100% traditional renewals. And that's why yeah, some people are saying nuclear should stick around for a while, but we're closing a lot of those plants. Anyway, that's all on the side. Uh, batteries, Many more coming soon. And here is an article from Electric, which is what's going to happen with that Model 3 inside camera. Do you remember that? There's a camera that looks into the cab in the Model 3. And we're now starting to hear some information about how that's going to get used. And one of the ways is, according to Tesla, is that, well, according to a patent that was filed by Tesla, is that a thing called a personalization system and method for a vehicle based on spatial locations of occupants body positions. So the idea here is that this camera is going to look into the Tesla and it's going to say, oh, Mel's here and uh, we can change the seat position and we can do this and that for him. And um, it can also say, oh, there's some other people in the car. Maybe I should increase the air conditioning in the back and move the music so that it, instead of being located over Mel, it'll be all through the car a little bit better. So there's a lot of different potential applications when the car knows who's in the car. There's also you know, things that could be very useful for when it's doing its Uber-like service that if you do bad things, it can actually catch you doing that. And if you own that car, I'm sure you'd like to have that information. It could also, unfortunately, be used to spy on you. So if you're up to no good in your car, you just need to be aware that your car has a camera on the inside and it could be looking at you. And if you don't think that they're not going to share that data, then you haven't been listening to what's happening with Alexa and other systems like that. They're listening and they're watching. A couple of letters then to finish off the week. First one is from Joel Sapp. Yes, that is right. The president of the Talking Tesla Black Caucus and 
a freelancing executive producer of uh, Talking Tesla. He says that uh, I see people are getting sponsored by Audible and doing their media picks via Audible. Could you guys get sponsored by them? Uh, yeah, Audible is really trying to break into the podcast space. Well, they have, and but it's all behind the Audible wall. And I got no problem. I've actually been an Audible member for like 20 years. I don't know, maybe it's not that long, but from when it first began, I love Audible. Uh, but, uh, you know, haven't uh, done anything about that yet. Maybe one day, Joel. Maybe, maybe one day. Jim Long, yeah, friend of the show, sends us a lot of uh, good questions and comments, um, says this. Hey, I saw that uh, article about the single part stamp, you know, that we talked about a couple of days ago, that there's some giant press in the works that could basically press out a, a Model Y, one piece of metal. ka But he's like, what happens if you bend a fender? Uh, do you have to replace the entire body? Jim, that is an excellent, excellent question. If you can basically stamp out a car in one piece of metal and then you get a ding in one corner, do you have to replace the entire car? Jim, great question. No idea. I've got another great letter here and it's about Lightyear 1. And this is a Dutch car and this is from a listener called Edo. I don't know how to pronounce it. Edo? Edo? I don't know. But Lightyear One is a company that has this solar-powered car, and it's covered in solar panels from the front, the top, the back, everywhere. And they say it's going to be able to charge up at a rate of around like eight miles per hour. Eight miles per hour, so about 65 kilometers a day where I live, or about 40 or so-ish miles. But crazy. And it's going to have a range of about 800 kilometers, which I think is about 500, 550 miles, because it's going to be able to charge up as it goes. So you can reserve one right now and put some money down. And it's very space age looking car. But will it really work? I mean, they may have tried it out in sort of the prototype. But that's pretty amazing. If you could stick it outside and get 40, 50 miles of range per day. And while you're driving, you're getting so much solar energy that you can drive a long way. How, how fast? What are the limitations here? I mean, there's going to be some limitations, right? Great, great. Go check it out. Uh, Lightyear One or something like that, it's called. It's crazy. 